Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we, once in a while, talk about movies we thought were cool. I'm your host, Farron, and I'm joined by my on-again, off-again co-host, Heather. Hello. Hi, everybody. So it's been a while. We haven't done one of these since March, I believe, and that was Amadeus. COVID kind of got in the way and life gets in the way and COVID and life doesn't make things easier. And yeah, we can do. I've got to say, when I recommended this to you, I know you don't like scary movies, but as it turns out, this movie isn't really <laughs> scary. It's, it's, yeah, that's, this doesn't count. Yeah, I, I still think the scariest movie we've ever done might actually be the uh, Star Wars holiday special. That's that's scary for a different reason, though. This is true. Uh, but actually, I don't think we've well, we did Poltergeist, but I know you guys just found that boring, but it's a genuine. I found it genuinely frightening, but not this one. Uh, no, this, this is possibly the m- most 80s movie I've ever watched. That is that is almost certainly true. But I'll tell you what is absolutely true. This is by far the horniest movie we've ever watched. Holy crap. <laughs> like, it's not erotic. It's not sexy. It's not sensual. It's horny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like what I imagine the brain of a 16-year-old is. Yeah, and it's funny because the writer and director is this guy, Tom Holland. Not not the one who plays Spider-Man in the new one, movies. Yeah. But it's got about the same mentality as the kid in those movies. Like, it, it's hilarious how just desperately horny this movie is. So, of course, we're talking about Fright Night, which premiered on the 2nd of August, 1985, written and directed by the not-Spider-Man Tom Holland. <laughs> it's starring Chris Sarandon, who plays, uh, you know, da- uh, Danbridge, the uh, the vampire. And he was kind of a babe back in the 80s. He was kind of like a leading man. William Ragsdale, who plays Charlie. Amanda Burse or Bears, who plays Amy. Roddy McDowell, Peter Vincent, vampire killer. You probably know him better as Cornelius and later as Caesar in the original Apes movies. Oh, that's where I knew him from. Yeah, it's where you read, it's the voice, right? Yeah. And Stephen Jeffries, who plays Evil Ed, uh, who I, I actually think is, a, he's to me, he's the most interesting character in the movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, up until he gets bitten, and then he's interesting, and then he gets the mark on his forehead, and then he just goes weird. So this movie was made on a budget of $9 million, which is kind of surprising, because there's a lot of practical effects in this movie. I guess it's handy when you're filming pretty much on one street in a you know, in some set town somewhere. Because yeah. it certainly looked like a set town. Oh, yeah. Uh, so for $9 million bucks, they pulled off $24.9 million at the box office. Which, hey. meh, you know, it's not huge, but it's not almost, awesome. yeah, it's two and a half times their uh, their budget. So, you know, it's a positive check mark, I guess. There was a sequel, you know, Fright Night 2, which involved uh, Charlie again and Roddy McDowell again. And the sister of Danbridge. And they went for this sort of Euro punk cool vibe. It was very weird and not very good. I mean, not that this one is anything to write home about, but it was very different. And they remade it with one of the Doctor Who guys, I think. One of the guys who played Doctor Who, they remade it in like 2011. It was one of the few movies that actually made good use of 3D back when people gave a damn about that. And they made a sequel to that one, too. But I was so bored in the remake. Like I, I actually checked my phone. Uh, I, was, I, was re- I was reading emails. So I should tell you. You, what you that did. Was. Yeah. You like did it was you never. Ooh. Yeah. And speaking of 80s, I noticed you're wearing an Airwolf T-shirt. Sorry, I just noticed that. So <laughs> David, David Tennant was Peter Vincent. Yeah. It's, oh. This one took. What? It's not. I mean, go watch it. But uh, it took place in Vegas. 
And so this time the vampire was like a performer, like a magician. Mm. It wasn't just some dude. You know, it, it was an interesting idea, but it was it was just a pointless remake. Like there's so I mean, there are so many of those, and this is definitely among the most why bother remakes. You know, it's it, it, yeah. like, so, like a lot of the remakes in that time, like when they redid Clash of the Titans and stuff like this, you want like why it, it, it's you're trying to improve on the special effects who cares you know it's, it's is that really all you've got this year yeah no kidding uh, right? apparently uh, it was yeah yeah of course we've done dune and i'm eagerly awaiting the new version of dune by uh danny villeneuve you know i'm really as looking a, as am i yeah yeah i'm really looking forward to that one but then of course i really like the book so and they've remade it before this is the third successful attempt at making the movie and that doesn't include at least three aborted attempts so so you had never seen this before right no, I. How'd you miss I this one? Thought I, you know, I, I, I live on I live under a rock on the moon. Well, so I, I doubt s- that. I saw Lost Boys, and mm-hmm. and I was kind of half comparing them part of the way through, and then I gave up because. Yeah, they're not the same. <laughs> they're not the same. Yeah. You know, Lost Boys is another one we'll probably have to do at some point, just because it's such an iconic '80s movie. I tried watching it I think last summer, and I was just bored. But then I never really liked it. I, I never thought that was, I mean, I mean, vampire movies in the 80s were really silly because they were trying to transition away from the Bella Lugosi, you know, I want to suck your blood. But they didn't know where to go with it. And thank God they hadn't gotten to the sparkly creepers yet. <sighs> but they weren't willing to go to the, the Anne Rice sexy stuff quite yet. You know, yeah. like interview with a vampire and that sort of thing where they had. They, you weren't, know, they weren't quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here, the vampire is still the bad guy in interview with a vampire in all of her books. I think now that I've read them, I've just seen the movie adaptations. The vampires aren't always the bad guys. In fact, they very rarely are. Whereas here, Jerry Danbridge or whatever his name is and and his not boyfriend is, you know, they're they're the bad guys. You know, it's, yeah, it's they, kind of, they wallow in it. They're definitely the bad guys. Yeah. Like there's nothing there's no I mean. I guess there's an attempt to be sexy, but you know, this, the funny thing is this is a restraint. This movie was rated R and yet it's very clearly aimed at teenagers. So I'm not sure what Chris Sarandon is doing in the film. So hey, yeah, I, yeah, I saw this as a kid. I wasn't scared of it. Then I wasn't impressed with it either. I didn't think it was awful. I'd seen it many times, but it's one of those movies you sort of look and go, okay, it's on it's sort of like curls. Like, okay, it's there. I'll watch it next. It doesn't have the cool glaive or the fire love or, you know, yeah, the end of that stuff. But it's, you know, this movie made its mark. It is it is, I think, well regarded mostly by people who haven't seen it since, you know, it came out in 85 or whenever. So let's go through it, see what we see and hope we can forget it and uh, <laughs> move on from there. So I, see, I almost <laughs> liked it. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, was, it's it was it was on the too much sex. If if it had dialed back the horny just a little bit, I would That's have really thing. liked it. It's not it, even it sex. Was, it's just horny. It's just horny. <laughs> it's just like uh, the the cheese was perfect and the vampire trope was perfect. Yeah. But too too much too horny. horny. Too horny. Yeah. Like I said, it's not even sensual. It's just horny. It's just horny. Uh, yeah. It's just you know. Anyway, so it anyway. starts off with you know the, the the video or the you know the screen panning over. Let's start this again. It starts with a camera. You know, uh, panning down a street. It's nighttime. It's clearly some suburb, and we hear what is obviously some cheesy, you know, vampire movie from the '60s. I love the night so. 
I've never seen you look so beautiful before, Nina. So pale, so luminescent, so... Yes. Your lips are so red. Are they? Would you like to kiss them? And the camera pans up into a window and we see that it's exactly that there's a TV on and there's this movie with Peter Vincent vampire killer. And obviously these are meant to be takeoffs on the hammer films from the, the sixties and seventies, which were heavy on the cheese. You know, this is where guys like uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing, like all the guys that George Lucas sort of gathered up for star Wars. This is where they got their starts. Uh, though it should be noticed, though, have you ever seen any of those Hammer films? Yeah, I don't. Like I don't actually. I don't actually know what they are. It's well, I mean, Hammer. It was the name of the dude, or maybe it was the name of the company. There were these British horror films that came out in the sixties and seventies, and they were all B movies, like really B movies. They were always made in Technicolor, so they really jumped at you, and they were full of sex and 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 a surprising amount of violence. They were kind of pushing the new permissiveness of the sixties. But he did Hounds of the Baskervilles. He did The Mummy. And, you know, Curse of the Mummy and Curse of the Mummy's Bride of Frankenstein's Dracula. I mean, all these sorts of cheesy movies. That's what this is supposed to be. Like I said, Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, all these guys that we know, you know, from the Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, they got their starts in these sorts of films. Right. Um, And, you know, we realize that the TV's on, but nobody's watching because off in the corner, Charlie is making out with Amy and... She's the typical 80s girlfriend. She's frigid and she's not ready yet. So they have an they have an argument over that. And she eventually decides to throw herself at him. So she sits down on the bed, takes off her shirt. And in the meantime, he's staring out the window and noticing that next door, two guys are carrying a coffin into the into the basement through a cellar door. Now, to be clear, when I was 17, if a girl were sitting on my bed in nothing but her bra and said, I'm ready. I'm pretty sure that my next door neighbor could have led a parade through my room carrying the severed head of my mother. And I probably wouldn't have noticed. No, I got to give you that one. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And he doesn't seem to notice her as well. And she storms out of the room because, you know, yeah. 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 And he chases her downstairs and she's yelling like, I thought you wanted to make love. And of course, mom is there. (laughs) And like, and she's like the perfect eighties movie mom. She's completely clueless. Like, she has no idea what's going on. Are you two having a lover's spat? No, Mom, your son's girlfriend is complaining that your son doesn't want to do her. Like, that's what's going on here. But, you know, it's... <laughs> How she, many movies also, have we seen? Um, oh, hmm? yeah, man. They, they, they even had the, the little the volume uh, in, in this. Like, seriously. She, was, yeah. she could not be more 80s mom. She yeah, was like divorced. Just, working not really have any idea what's happening taking volume i mean uh, yeah just totally switched off 100 80s mom you know i mean if you think about you know teen movies from the 90s the parents aren't clueless they're just missing here they still felt the need to include and it's always a single parent uh, between Disney and all these other places, there was a rash of parent murders and deaths. It's really wild because every movie I can think of, it's always like one, it's like one parent, you know, never ending story. Mom is gone. 
uh, cloak and dagger, mom is gone. Fright night, dad is gone. Like, there's always someone missing. Uh, in fact, the only uh, the only intact family I think we've encountered uh, in a kids or teen movie is Monster Squad. Yep. But they're clueless anyway. They're still so, clueless though. Yeah. yeah. I think so, I think eighties is when the um, divorce came in though. Like the, the divorce rates went crazy in eighties. Something it's like fifty fifty divorce came in or something. Well, it was uh, well. That's a, that's a California thing, but in most places, what it is, it's no fault divorce. Like that's you didn't have to, you didn't have to prove to a judge that your spouse had been unfaithful or a monster. Like you, you didn't have to have a reason. You just had to say, "We want out." And so suddenly, people are going, "Wow, I married a jerk. I'm I want out of this." I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, because you know equal rights. So, but still, it's it's kind of funny. And just yeah. how often we see broken homes in these in these movies in E.T. And so immediately we go to the next day and, you know, Charlie comes out of class and he's complaining. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Have a good weekend. All right. That bastard. Why didn't he tell us he was going to spring a pop quiz? Well, that's the point to a pop quiz, Brewster, to surprise you. Thanks, teach. Evil yeah. Ed has a point. Yeah. And Evil Ed, I got to tell you, he's a he's an interesting character. Like. I can't yeah. think of another character like him in a film. I mean, the voice is a little weird and he's a little high strung. He's clearly not cool, but he's clearly quite smart. And we learn later technically minded when we he's see him. He's also in weird. He's there's, there's something wrong with that guy. Yeah. There's some, I wouldn't say he's on the spectrum, but he's got something going on there. Like he's, I mean, it's, it's an affectation, right? Like Tom Holland, the the, the writer director clearly told the, 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 the actor be weird. Oh yeah, for sure. But like I mean, the voice and like he, he earned the evil nickname though. If you listen to what they talk about, like he takes things way too far. Like yeah, instantly. He's, yeah. But, he's, he's a little odd. He's, but he's, also the only one I was still thinking about at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sort of at the end of the movie, spoilers, uh, 1985, I think we're past that. Um, <laughs> you know, they sort of hint that maybe he lives or unlives. You know, they hit you in the head with it. But he's not in the second movie. What? He's not in I Fright Night 2. thought that was a, a straight up obvious setup for n number two. You would think, but he's not in it. So, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird. Maybe the maybe the actor just didn't want in. I could look that up. I'm sure, but I don't care quite that much. But um, <laughs> you know, whatever. So anyway, Charlie drives home and he's got a kick-ass muscle car, and we think, wow, that's vintage. But this movie was filmed in 1985. That car was not 20 years old. That muscle car he's driving. No. You know, these days, if you saw a car, like I'm not even sure what kind of car it is. It's a Mustang or something. If you saw that on the street. That's someone's baby. Like, th there'd be a, a considerable cost. Back then, I, it's just a car. I had a buddy with one of them, though. And it, like, I mean... I'm not sure what it is, though. Is it a Mustang? I, th you know, I think it was a Mustang. But, like, I had a buddy with one of them. And he was restoring it. And he bought this piece of crap muscle car. Mm -hmm. Like, honest to goodness, that car, other than it still had primer on it. And my buddy's was all red. Mm -hmm. It, it could have been the same car. Like... yeah. The same age group, the same car. Like it could have, it could have been that. Yeah, except that these days, no teenager would be any allowed anywhere near that car. And this guy just—it's a beater he drives because it's like I said, it's not even a twenty-year-old car. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's twenty twenty-one and we're old. So, yeah. 
So, but, yeah. He, but like, so, I was in high school in the early 90s, and my buddy drove that car as a beater. Yeah, there he were... He was fixing up by himself. Like, it's, yeah. it's accurate. Yeah, I can think of a few cars like that that I knew in my parking lot at Lord Beaverbrook in, in the early 90s, yeah. So, anyway, Charlie comes home. He heads upstairs. He, uh... He what? No, what happens here? I seem to. I he, he runs into the. He runs into the hooker on the way in. Drives. Right. Drives somebody runs into the hooker. That's right. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's very clear she's a hooker. And then that night he's doing homework. He hears a scream next door, uh, because his bedroom actually faces Jerry Dandridge's bedroom. He sees the light go off, and that's just sort of it. Ooh, what's going on? And the next day he's in like a diner, and he sees on well. First, you know, Amy comes to talk to him because she's still pissed at him, but she wants to make up. But he's distracted again because he sees on the TV that a body has been found and they show the picture and it's the hooker. And so it's like, holy shit, I got a psycho next door. You know, it's I don't know. At this point, it, it's kind of funny because you'd think someone would listen to him. Like I saw the woman who was murdered last night and all Amy wants to do is get angry because he's like he's not listening to her like she's. Yeah as clueless as everyone else. Like, yeah, I mean, he's an idiot because his girlfriend is lying on his bed saying, take me. But the fact is, if you were, you know, if, if you were in your bedroom with your husband and, and he said, honey, come quick. There's someone dragging a body down the road. You'd probably be I'd curious. pick up my phone and go look. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that'd be something. And it, it's just, what I'm starting to realize is that no one listens to anyone in this movie. Like no one. What? No one. Yeah. <laughs> I hate you, um, but it's true. Like no one listens. Uh, to you missed me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Amy doesn't listen to Charlie. Charlie doesn't listen to Amy. Evil Ed and Charlie don't listen to each other. When they eventually talk to Peter Vincent, he doesn't listen. Really listen to any of them until she waves money in his face. The only ones who really pay uh, the mom listens to no one. The only ones who really pay attention, and the cop doesn't listen. But Jerry and. Uh, whatever the name of the the familiar is, what's his name, Eric or something, whatever. The other guy, his servant. They're the only ones who listen, and they're listening very carefully. They sure are. Yeah, but no one else is. So anyway, he goes home, and he you know he starts sneaking around the neighbor's yard, and this is where we see the familiar, who is you know just you know he, I guess you call him the vampire's servant, slave, his Renfield. You yeah. Know. I was trying to figure out, like, I thought he was, a, I thought he was Renfield at first. And then the way he died at the end, I'm like, oh, well, he's something. And then yeah, in the, in the middle, I thought he was a werewolf for a bit. Yeah. That's what I thought. And that would, that would have made for an interesting plot twist actually, but they didn't get that deep with this film. I mean, this is the eighties, all the potential that could be with these films just went nowhere. But if yeah. it makes you feel any better in the 2011 remake, they didn't go there either. So he's yeah. in the basement painting the windows black as one does. And, I mean, look, there's no is he, isn't he? Like, there, at no point are we surprised to discover that the neighbor is a vampire. The first thing that Charlie sees Jerry and his familiar do is drag a coffin into the basement. Oh, yeah, they own it. It's not like the burbs where they could be creepy, but they could yeah. not be creepy. Yeah, I mean, the they're, burbs they're just... you literally, yeah, you don't find out until, what, the last two minutes of the movie or something like yeah. that? Um, this is a very... You know, it'd be interesting if they tried to remake this properly now, if they actually made a new, yeah. new Fright Night and said and, and, you know, really dragged it on. But they were going for a vampire movie that kids would go see. Yeah. Go see. 
So, only, only it was rated R. Yeah, but my recollection of the 80s is rated R wasn't much of a barrier. It didn't mean much. No. Yeah, like, like rated R meant that you just needed someone who was over 18. So you just needed to know a guy in grade 12, frankly. And yeah, that's basically. A, and that's assuming that. the guy you know the, the guy making a minimum wage at the counter cared. I don't think I ever got asked ever once zero times. No, I mean I saw a few rated R movies. The difference was is that in Canada we don't actually use the MPAA system, even though we all think about it. Um, the system here is a little different, and it's just a suggestion. Like they can't, they can't. I mean <laughs> these days I think. Well, at the time, I don't think anyone bothered. It's like the 80s. Hey, man, we had lawn darts. So, you know. Oh, I was playing lawn darts today. Are you serious? Yeah. Is everyone We're, still okay? Or? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, something, it's something the kid had to experience. We're uh, doing some construction at, at the old fishing cabin, and we found them at the bottom of a box. In the shed, and we're like, "Hey, lawn darts!" Oh, there's still blood on them. Cool from the last time. <laughs> hey, kid, right over there. <laughs> yeah, it's those things are just terrifying. But anyway, yeah. So Charlie's nosing around, and the familiar comes out and says, "Hey, kid, what are you doing? Nothing. Oh yeah. Would just make sure that it stays that way, kid. You know, it's interesting. He's he's another character. He's." he's weird like he just seems off yeah the familiar like there's something odd about him but i like how they did him because he's not like he's not like evil ed off (laughs) (laughs) oh you're so cool brewster (laughs) i can't stand it he's about one degree off of normal just enough that you'd like, if you met this guy, you'd say, what's up with him? But I'm not sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, I mean, in the second one, the familiars, one of them is, uh, they chose an actor who's always cast as, like, the weird hippie. They chose another guy who eats bugs and then names them by their scientific name just before he eats them. Yeah. Uh, well, because he's a familiar, right? He's a Renfield. Uh, and, and a third one who's got like a punk rock thing going. It was all like they just they dialed it up to 11 for Fright Night 2. Um, it should not shock you to discover it's a much worse film. But here, this familiar is just, I don't know, like I said, he's just off enough that you know something's wrong, which I yeah. think would, be, would 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 have more of an impact if they weren't owning the vampire thing from from the get go. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was not subtle. Yeah. So they, tr- they tried to be a little bit subtle with this guy, but. Yeah, surrounded by the amount of not subtle in everything else, it's like yeah, well, mm-hmm. it's almost like he came from a different draft of the movie, and they and they just didn't change his character. Like they decided he wasn't important enough to rewrite when they rewrote the rest of the script. Yeah, because every script every script goes through multiple drafts. Oh, yeah, uh, and, and later he and later he joins them with the non subtle. Yeah. Oh, what was it that surprised you? The sand or the green goo? <laughs> uh. Well, finally, when they gave me the the goo, I could kind of get an idea of what they were trying to do with him. Yeah, I guess. They never really explained what he is. But yeah. So that night, Charlie is sitting uh, in his uh, in his bedroom and the camera pans from the television down to uh, what I'm pretty sure were a Playboy, uh, an open Playboy. And then up <laughs> to him 
sitting there with his binoculars. So I'm wondering, is he looking for vampires or is he looking for a live show? You know, well, he did tell his mom he was going up to study. Study, yeah. So, and Amy isn't around, so he's studying something. And trick. I just, I uh, trick make, for sure. Trick, yeah, definitely, like, definitely I, trick. Yeah, I could make some jokes about hands-on experience, but I won't. Um, Thank you. And anyway, he he looks next door and he sees a woman standing there, and this is where they're. I think they're trying to go for like grown-up erotic. He stands behind her with his shirt off, like you know, like like a Harlequin romance novel, and takes the shirt off and then the bra off. So <laughs> we get our we get our we got our eighties boobs. So many eighties boobs in this one. I think it's just her. Actually, I think that's the only one. I mean, I guess the Amy's dress in the end. What Amy's. Amy's, Amy's dress and the uh, the bra, yeah. but yeah, it's the, but the only mag. yeah, but we don't actually see anything in the magazine. True. They had they had some strategically placed garbage because in addition to being a horn dog, he's a slob. And uh, so the funny thing is, is that I mean, I'm guessing this is another prostitute. She sees Charlie right from the start, like she's yeah. looking right into the camera, and I guess she's okay with it because whatever. And um, then he notices Charlie and sort of salt, you know, saunters over to the window and pulls down the shades. And that's where we see his. Um, oh, but he noticed Charlie after his fangs came out. That's right. He was about to bite. That's right. He was about yeah. to bite her. He was about to make the kill. And then when he pulls down the uh, the shades, the camera zooms in like we didn't notice his extra long fingers and scary Freddy Krueger nails. Like. How unsubtle do you have to be? You didn't have to zoom in, guys. You could like we saw it. It's hard not to notice. It's, um, it's like they're hitting us with it. Yeah. Well, it's he also a vampire. Yeah. Well, it's also that um, you can tell they're just extensions to his fingers yeah. because when he grabs the uh, the string to pull down the the shades, <laughs> the, 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 yeah, <laughs> he he overextends his fingers and so his thumb touches where the end of his finger actually is under the makeup. That's always the easiest way to tell when they didn't do the makeup properly and they didn't give him time to practice handling it because yeah. he, he's forced to use his actual finger. So it looks, it looks silly. Like it's just, it's like, dude, give the guy the morning to play around with them and like eat his lunch with them on. So he gets used to them, but nope, they didn't have time. They had to film that one scene and move on. It uh, made me laugh. Yeah. I, oh, I, I was okay with it. It made me laugh. Oh, it's all cheese. It's it, this is a B movie. Uh, I'd, I'd say with an A budget, but it doesn't even hit the standard fifteen million. Like they, they couldn't even be bothered. And look, Chris Sarandon was an actor of some note. Roddy McDowell who played Peter Vincent. He's a you know an actor of some note. And yes, the others are all newcomers, but two notable yeah. actors. But I mean, I think maybe this is just a paycheck for the two of them. Like what the hell. But yep. uh, you know, it's funny because Roddy McDowell at that point in his career was very much where Peter Vincent was, which was sort of a, a has-been who had finished up with the uh, the Apes movies and had nowhere to go. Yep. Uh, so he was really good in, in the Apes movies as oh, yeah. Cornelius. And then he plays his own son, Caesar, in the past. But those movies are... Those, they're, they're B-movies. They're definitely B-movies. Except the first one. That's a hell of a film. Um, you've seen Planet of the Apes, I assume? Of course, of course, yeah. So anyway, the weird almost porno is interrupted, and we get to see the boobies, and then we get to see the thing with the the shades, and there's a scream, and then he notices the familiar pull up 
a Jeep, the why he doesn't pull right up to the front door or back up right to the front door, I don't know. Oh, right. It's so Charlie has a chance to see. So he tries to wake up mom, who, of course, is blitzed on a Valium or four and has the sleeping shades on. Valium and wine, maybe. Yeah. I couldn't say I've never done. I mean, I, I've had a glass of wine, but I've never tried the Valium. But she's no, pretty not, close. Not your vibe, but uh, yeah. she's it's straight. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's an 80s mom. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, he dashes out into the backyard and he's hiding in the bushes. And it's super subtle because mom comes out, Charlie. In the meantime, he sees a bat fly out. We don't actually get to see the bat, which is good. Because when we do eventually see the bat, it's only about two steps up from the monster squad bat. Uh, here, we, we don't get to see it. You know, I think, I think they used the same bat. They just probably did a better job with the cable this time. Probably. Yeah, I mean, we, we, this time we, we see actually, we see Jerry's point of view walking on the roof and then sort of flying through the air. And then suddenly he appears. And as he always seems to be doing, he's eating an apple. I'm starting to worry about this guy's blood sugar. Like Jerry's always, if you always notice when he's in human yeah. form, he's always eating an apple. And so he eat, he takes one bite out of the apple. And then just to let Charlie know, he knows, he throws the apple right in front of Charlie. And you see the apple and it's bit right through. Like it's just a seed that's left. I, just, like, I, had a, I had a dog once that I had to train to go bite a specific pillow when it was getting twitchy. Maybe, maybe that's the apple thing. This is this high, high strung rescue dog. Whenever it got kind of, twitchy I, yeah. I taught it to go you know go bite this toy maybe the apple thing was that so like, he's a rescue vampire like yeah, so the, exactly. so the, the familiar found him in a cage and said oh you want to come home with me no probably not i don't think i, I don't I think wouldn't put a, it past them i don't think there's a society for prevention of cruelty to vampires no uh, i think that's i think that's usually how they get their renfield though yeah it's possibly the other way yeah the other yeah. way around yeah you know, that's anyway, kind of it. Scary yeah. apple bite. Yes. Scary apple bite. And Charlie runs back in and he tries to explain to mom that, you know, he, what he saw. And she makes him cocoa because she thinks he's nuts. But again. Had a, had a nightmare. She's comforting him because he had a nightmare. Yeah. And, and then we immediately switch to him talking to Amy, who doesn't believe him any more than mom did. And he says, well, I'm going to go to the cops. And that's exactly what happens. We see the next day, or maybe it's a couple of days later, he pulls up with the cop. And I've seen this actor many times before. I don't reckon, like, I don't remember the name, the black dude. Yeah, but, he's, but he's he that seems, guy. He's, he, yeah, he's. I didn't yeah, look him up, but yeah. He's one of those actors who's like, he's, he's always sort of around. And so they go into, the, they go into Jerry's house. And of course, Jerry isn't there, but the familiar is. And let's look in the basement instead. What's down there, Charlie? Yes, Charlie. What's down there? Well, obviously the boys made a mistake, obviously, you know, kid. A coffin! That's what's down there, a coffin. I saw them carry it in. What? Yeah, and you'll find Jerry Dandridge in it, sleeping the sleep of the undead. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? He's a vampire. Uh-oh. <laughs> I saw him in that room last night, and he had fangs, and he bit her on the neck. Actually, we forgot something. He sees a totally unexplained plot device. He sees the old uh, oil painting and it's of Amy. Oh, yeah. In the, just, he's poking through the box. The boxes, yeah, because they haven't fully moved in. You know, the funny thing is that's a trope, right? Like of these vampire oh, yeah. films of looking for your lost love. They did exactly the same thing in Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one with uh, Winona Ryder, where, remember, Dracula loved her when they were mortal and now whatever the woman's name is in the 1800s, encounters, it's the same actress, right? Yeah. They do nothing with it here. Essentially, they're hoping, you know, 
all the vampire tropes going into this movie and you've probably read the original Dracula by Bram Stoker and this movie does they hit them all yeah it was they nailed them yeah but but the viewer's background I think does a lot of uh does a lot of the heavy lifting here they expect you've seen another dozen shitty vampire movies yeah and I assure you there are far more than a dozen shitty vampire films uh most of them actually done by the hammer company but Anyway, the cop drives him, drags him out of the house. He doesn't believe him. And that's sort of, well, it. And he runs over to Evil Ed's house. And I'm not sure what Evil Ed was doing. He was like working with holograms or. He mentions at one point he was listening on the police band. So that suggests he has a radio. It's clear that Evil Ed is a techie nerd, which in the yeah. 80s, I'll tell you, if, if you're a guy and you want to never, ever like touch a boob. What you do is you get involved in like high tech stuff. Yeah. Like video games. You like high tech stuff. You're never getting a date. I'm sorry, but that's, you know. Yeah, and no, if, ever. And if you're a if you're a girl who likes that stuff, you better never ever admit that. I mean, at least that was my experience in high school. The <laughs> girls did not admit to to liking techie stuff. I was a programmer. I was a gamer. I wasn't smart enough to hide it. I was uh I was I was super popular. Were you? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. No. But you were also you're also an athlete. So it kind of it kind of balanced out. Yeah. But but I just but I mostly, remember mostly they just ignored me until it was time for tryouts and then they like came to the science lab and they're like, um never tell anyone we know where this room is, but yeah. tryouts are tomorrow. These um, days everyone plays video games. Techie stuff is not a big deal. It's just a whole different world. But, and now the vampires sparkle. I think we weeded that out. I think that was just a blip. I hope it was. Because yeah. anyway, back, back, anyway, back to back, Evil back Ed. To the, back to the back to Evil Ed. Yeah. So he said he needs he needs advice. The funny thing is, it makes no sense that Charlie would need advice on how to deal with a vampire, because Evil Ed's a techie guy, and this guy loves Peter Vincent and watches Fright Night, which we've actually forgot to talk about. Fright Night is the local television stations. Midnight Horror Show. It's not the name of a movie. It's the name of the program where the actor, Peter Vincent, introduces you to all these cheesy movies that he then shows you. And after every commercial break, he talks for a couple of minutes and then shows you more of the movie. And these sorts of shows were a big deal in the 90s. Remember Elvira, Mistress of the Dark? Yeah. Hello, darling. It's me, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, the sassy lassie with the classy chassis. Oh, thanks for bringing me into your home. Now, when are you going to clean up this dump and put some clothes on? Jeez, I know what you're up to. You think you're pretty smart, don't you? That's what she did. You know, she'd, she'd come on at midnight, she'd talk for 10 minutes, and, you know... In her case, jiggle her boobs for five because that's really all she was about. Um, was you know, big boobs and long eighties country hair. And she dressed as a vampire and she talked to you about the movie. Then you'd watch this cheesy fifties or sixties horror movie, and then there'd be a commercial break and she'd come back. It was like the late late show, and that's what this is, you know. Yeah, but absolutely. in this case, Peter Vincent isn't just the host; he's like the 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 stars of these movies like he's living off of his own movies which is kind of sad it's like these actors who do the uh the podcasts of their own shows because they're desperate to be relevant again yeah 
Sometimes it works. The big one was uh, one, of the, one of the guys who did the West Wing Weekly. He actually gave some insight. But then yeah. someone from Battlestar Galactica did it. Two of the actors from Voyager are doing it. And I didn't like that show the first time enough to care to listen to it again. But The Hobbits from Lord of the Rings are doing it. I heard, and I didn't make it through their second episode. That's how bad it was. This was, I guess, the 80s equivalent. But again, it's just kind of funny that Charlie would go to a friend for advice about vampires when... He's seen all the movies, you know. I found that weird too, but they had they had to get they had Evil to get Ed. Evil Ed back in somehow. Yeah, it was just it was kind of odd. Like it would have been more interesting. I mean, there weren't goths in the eighties, but it would have been interesting if he was like an occult guy. Like if he was like a heavy metal because that would have been the eighties, right? Yeah. Heavy, you, know, you know, the the stereotypical and frankly untrue heavy metal metalhead with you know the pentagram and all that bullshit the record never knew a metalhead who was into satan except to you know ironically to piss off teachers um Mm. so it's a little weird so he comes home charlie comes home having been told get some holy water get some crosses get some garlic and he comes home and lo and behold who's in the house the vampire because he's been invited in because remember a vampire can only come into your house if he has your permission that was the uh, final piece of advice that Evil Ed gave. Yeah, and the first thing that went right out the window when he got home. What's the matter, Charlie? Afraid I'd never come over without being invited first? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You're quite right. Of course, uh, now that I've been made welcome, I'll probably drop by quite a bit. In fact, anytime I feel like it. With your mother's kind permission, of course. Uh-huh. Are you mom? Yeah, so he is this is this where he hammers that he hammers down yeah. the Ham, yeah, hammers his window shut yeah yeah and lays all the the garlic and everything else but that doesn't matter because that night Jerry comes in through I think the chimney I think he does a Santa Claus or do they ever actually explain how he gets into the house I thought he just walked in the front door well because he was on the roof at one point remember um, Charlie hey. could hear him walking on the roof so somehow he gets in he like super closes mom's door it's already closed but he closes it like more he breaks he, it he busted the frame yeah yeah and then he you know he goes after Charlie he beats him up he throws him around the room he threatens him and he says you know leave it or I'm gonna kill your mother and everyone who loves you and then Charlie stabs him with a oh but no you got you got it you got to talk about the choice. They, 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 oh, they squeezed in one more vampire trope, which is I could just, I could just kill you now, but I'm gonna give you the thing I don't have—a choice. That's right. It's the one deep and it's bit. It's so cheesy and it's so brief. It's like, yeah. If you cough, you miss the line. Yeah. If I, if I had crunched a chip or something, I would have missed it. Yeah. It's the one suggestion that his character is more than two-dimensional, the tragedy of the vampire. But don't worry, because Anne Rice picked right up on that one and wrung it for all it was worth. <laughs> um, yeah, and so he stabs... He stabs, uh, stabs him in the hand with a pencil. With a pencil. And one thing I will say is I do appreciate that when he gets stabbed, his hands immediately go to the long, bad fingernail thing. Yeah. But his, his monster face is not attractive scary he's monstrous he's gross yeah and I, I like that that he's not like the one thing about i mean you watch buffy the vampire slayer oh yeah right? yeah the vampires always look kind of cool when they vamped up yeah you know like they get the romulan forehead and 
the like the the the, the really sharp cheeks and the and the the chin they look kind of cool here he looks gross and i like that that the you know the vampire here is still again the bad guy he's not meant to be sexy anyway he goes and he checks out mom who of course doesn't believe him again and doesn't understand why her her door frame is broken because she's clueless mom who's you know three volumes and a glass of wine or six gone to the wind and yeah jerry does call him back you know at that point he says oh, you're, you're dead but she stabbed me right yeah yeah that's right he's done you, cho- and you chose poorly yeah the cool thing is is that his familiar he's kneeling beside jerry and fixing his hand it's a yeah. very supplicant position I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting like he doesn't go around yes master he just seems to be like uh charlie's mom says like, he's my luck he's probably gay but this is the first hint, like the first obvious hint that the familiar is just that, a familiar, that because he's on his knees fixing Jerry's hand. Yeah, yeah, I, no, I, I, I like that too. It was well done. You know, there's, this movie had, like so many movies we do, it has the hints of greatness in it. If someone had just taken the script out of his hands and given it that one extra bit of polish. We, we seem to say that a lot about these movies though. Because like they were they were shooting for an hour and a half. Yeah. So they they had to rush them and they skipped a lot yeah. of potential. But you know, I mean I even see that today. Have you seen that uh I guess an Amazon movie? It's called The Tomorrow War. Oh, I saw like eight hundred ads for it and refused to watch it. I liked it. I actually quite enjoyed it. Um it's a good war movie. I I, I really I, I I dug it. But someone I follow on Twitter, she pointed out that the script needed one more pass. One more run through the script with someone else making notes. They they were just like they were so close. There are questions that needed answering that weren't answered. And there were things you look at and go, oh, that's a little too convenient. They needed one more pass to find a different dialogue solution to this problem so I wouldn't wince. Right. So it, you know, it still happens. And that was a big budget you know, sci-fi action flick. Uh, it is it is worth watching, by the way. But, uh, you know, this is the same sort of thing with, you know, I'm giving you something I don't have, a choice. And then the familiar kneeling to fix his master's hand. There's always that hint. But like you say, they're going for an hour and a half. They just want to get it out the door. And anytime we watch one of these movies, I make a point of reading Roger Ebert's review of it. And he always has the same criticism time and again. It's missing something. It's too vacuous. But that's an 80s problem. It's yeah. the one problem we run into doing these movies, I guess. Anyway, he looks back to the TV. He sees Peter Vincent. It occurs to him, hey, I'll go talk to him. So he waits outside the, the television studio where Peter Vincent films Fright Night and in, encounters Peter Vincent, who's just been fired. And you know what just dawned on me when I watched it this afternoon? I've seen this movie a dozen times. They used shoe polish for Peter Vincent's hair. Did they? Look at it. It's shoe polish. And do you know how I know that? Because when I was in grade 11, I was on stage and I played an older butler and they used gray shoe polish. I know exactly what that looks like. That was 1992. They totally did. That was 1992. And I think I still have that stink in my nose. I saw that and I almost like, I almost had a, a seizure from like from flashbacks. It's gray shoe polish because it's super oh. fast. Not That's the thick awesome. stuff that we used on our on our, our army boots, just the the liquid stuff that you know with yeah. the yeah. 
that's what it is. They they cheaped out. They used they used that, and at least that's what it looks like because his hair is so thick. Yeah, that explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> also, they over they they used way too much makeup on uh, the actor. Oh, and yeah, I wonder way, maybe he way was just too much. maybe he just looked like shit or something, or maybe they just had a bad makeup guy for him. I don't know, but it's the makeup. Like he looks like he's wearing stage makeup. Yeah. And I get that when they finally confront the vampire. I get it. He, you know, he dresses up in, you know, the costume from one of the movies he still has. And he uses the uh, props he still has and all that sort of stuff. But here he looks like, again, he looks like he's, I'm not sure whether they did that on purpose. Maybe he's just. He's just coming off the set, though. So, like. Yeah. But you would have thought he would have washed it off before he yeah. got in his car. There's one thing, by the way, I, it occurs to me now, and it drove me freaking nuts at the very beginning of this movie when we first see him in a movie in the 60s. And he says, I am Peter Vincent, vampire hunter. And he raises the stake in one hand and the hammer in the other. Stake was backwards. Yeah. The stake was backwards. He was going to hammer this this female vampire with the blunt end of the stake by pounding on the point. Now, I'm sure eventually he would have worked it through her chest, but that seems like way more work than it needed to be. Maybe that's why she screamed for like 20 seconds off screen. Yeah. I am Peter Vincent, vampire killer. I just remember thinking, did no one catch that when they filmed it? Or maybe that was intentional. I don't know. But it must have been. It must have been. It's too obvious. But yeah. yeah. So and maybe that's what they're going for with this guy. That like this kind of pathetic actor who's past his prime and is trying to pretend like he's still in the prime of his life. I don't know. But Peter Vincent blows him off because he thinks he's a nutbag. Both Amy and Evil Ed show up at Charlie's home and the place is covered in crosses and candles and garlic. He's gone ultra Catholic on them all. Which brings up another question. Mm-hmm. He gave he gave Evil Ed his, his last eight bucks for the vampire advice. That's right. That's like a hundred bucks worth of stuff in his in his room that he's acquired over the last 18 hours. Maybe mom cooks with a lot of garlic and had a lot of candles. Or maybe he rolled Father O'Malley down at St. Mary's. I don't know. Went I like there. the second one better. So Amy and Evil Ed head off to talk to Peter Vincent, who's just been evicted. And what it comes down to is they bribe him with 500 bucks to come and do a, a bullshit vampire investigation. So they call Jerry up and he says, well, we can't do crosses because I'm a born again Christian. Well, it's funny. They use the wrong term. I've recently been reborn. <laughs> ah, reborn which is Christian. true. I just like that he said reborn and they and they assumed he meant. Yeah, uh, exactly. And he says, well, we can't do holy water because that would be sacrilegious. Says, It'll just be tap water. The next night they all head over, all three kids and Peter Vincent. And he's in his vampire hunter clothing, which is like his actual costume. Because this guy is just surrounded by the props from his movie career they head inside and again jerry is eating fruit again i'm very concerned about his blood sugar levels but 
she take he takes one look at you know seventeen year old Amy. Well, hello, you know, <laughs> gets a little weird. They do the tests. Of course, nothing happens, and it's interesting because Charlie whips out a cross, and immediately Jerry backs up, and his familiar steps in between them, mm-hmm. and no one notices that. Of course, you know it's right in front of everyone's face, and no one notices. And they sort of walk out of the house, and as they're leaving, Peter opens up this prop he has, which is like a you know it's a makeup mirror that was used in bride of whatever some some movie and he looks and he sees all the people talking to jerry but jerry isn't in the reflection and he freaks out and he drops it and that's where you know he knows he's a vampire and jerry knows he knows and the meeting sort of winds down and off they go and peter vincent like it's clear he's freaked out what's wrong with you nothing and why are you shaking i'm not shaking you saw something in there, didn't you? You saw something that convinced you he was a vampire. Of course not. Please, Mr. Vincent, you have to tell me. Our lives depend on All that. right. He didn't cast a reflection in my mirror. Satisfied now? Mr. Vincent, you have to call the police. Mr. Vincent, shit! That's when Jerry knew, and, and like Peter knew, and Jerry knew that Peter knew. and Because then about the right. same time, that's when he confirms that he steps on the mirror. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He steps in the mirror and it breaks. Like, he didn't know, he didn't know why it was that Peter had figured it out, but he knew, or sorry, he didn't know, yeah, he didn't know why Peter had figured it out, but it was clear Jerry knew that Peter knew. Yeah. He didn't, he just didn't know why. But then, just after the scene where Peter says, I didn't see your reflection, and he speeds off, Jerry is walking, you hear a crack, he looks down, and there's the mirror, and now he's put it all together. Okay, yeah, he really does know. So, yeah, off he goes. And Charlie and Ed are going to walk Amy home, which apparently involves walking through the downtown core of whatever city this is. I don't think we ever find out where this is. Mm, no. I got a very Midwest vibe to it. Like, it didn't feel California-ish. Yeah. Any, but any town, USA. Yeah. yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It was filmed on a lot. Um, yeah. like whatever, you know. So they're sort of walking through downtown. They're walking through downtown, and... Uh, Jerry is clearly following them and Ed sort of heads down an alley on his own. He screams, they come running and he pretends to have been bit and he's just mocking them. So they say, you know, it's, it's the boy, you know, it's the boy who cried wolf. So when he actually gets jumped, they won't believe it. And guess what? Jerry stalks Ed. You don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like being different. They won't pick on you anymore or beat you up. I'll see you back. All you have to do is take my hand. Here, Edward. Take my hand. And this again, here's that that flash of, I won't say brilliance, but the flash of there could have been more here by playing on ideas of teenage alienation. Imagine if Evil Ed had been the main character and these other two were the side characters. And that would have and been it, way more interesting. Imagine if instead this had been about a vampire, male or female, who draws in Evil Ed almost like a cult leader. Be yeah. cool. Be one of us. That would have been the better movie. Because I got to tell you, once Evil Ed gets bitten, he becomes much more that much more interesting until he gets the cross mark on his forehead. Really? But yeah. up until then, he's a super interesting character. But anyway, he gets bit and that's sort of that. And then... 
Jerry goes after the other two and they chase him into the most 80s club that ever 80s. The music is so 80s and everyone is dressed like it's 80s. The music, which, by the way, I quite like. I enjoyed the music. I, I really do. I, but I like 80s music. I'm sure I've seen this scene before in other movies. All Seduc of them. Yeah, seducing. He's like, he runs off to call the cops and Amy spots Jerry, who somehow has managed a change of clothes. Maybe he flew home, flew back. I don't know. And sort of draws her onto the dance floor. And her hair, I don't know, she apparently had a hairdo between being in the corner where the phone was and getting onto the dance floor because her hair is all poofy in 80s. It's the 80s, man. Yeah. Those those blow dryers come out of nowhere. Yeah. And then she pops her collar and suddenly she's not the frigid teenage girl anymore. She's actually toying with him, which again makes no sense. Like, I get it. She's under his spell, but she becomes the almost the dominant of the two. Yeah, it was weird. Like, she pushes him away and then gets down on her knees and then gets up. Like it's clear she's toying with him. It's almost like she's channeling this woman in the painting. But once again, where is it? You know? Nothing to get said. They yeah. just leave it. They, they just leave it to our expertise in vampires. Yeah. This movie is one hour and 46 minutes. And the two hour movie version of this movie that could have been would have had some interesting stuff in it with evil Ed and the portrait and more about the familiar and all that. 15 minutes that could have been. So they have the, the weird erotic dance. And this is sort of interdispersed with Ed banging on Peter's door saying, let me in. I'm being chased by a vampire. And this is the best scene in the movie, as far as I'm concerned. When Peter says, you know. What are we going to do? What are you going to do? And he pulls back his collar. Yeah. And he shows the bites. But if you look at him, he actually looks healthier now than he did before. He's got more <laughs> color in his skin. His skin yeah. is clearer. He looks like he maybe gained a few pounds. He looks a little healthier. But if you notice the way he stands, he's so much more confident. Yeah. And his voice is a little lower. Like he's he's a whole new man. You know, he's he's a much more interesting character right up until he lunges at Peter and Peter hits him in the forehead with a a cross, which leaves like an X burned to his forehead. And then he becomes this drooling, snotty, crying. What have you done to me? Back. Ow. Ow. The master will kill you for this. But not fast. Slowly. Oh, so slowly. Back. I say back. Jumps out a window and yeah. it's just like for that, for that two minutes or one minute, whatever it is. He is by far the most compelling character in the movie. At least I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's the only one who I remember his name at the end. Yeah, pretty much. So he he sort of heads out. And there's more erotic dance between Jerry and Amy. And there's sort of a fight because Charlie steps in and the bouncers get in and there's some deaths and. Lots of screaming and running. 
Yeah, honest to God, I do not. Oh, right. They grab Amy at the last minute. And that's where Charlie realizes that Ed's been grabbed because he's in the back of the Jeep with everyone else when they grab Amy. Yeah. He goes, you know, Charlie goes, he gets Peter to help him or he tries to convince him to help him. Then we see that Amy is in a Harlequin romance novel cover painting upstairs in Jerry's room. She's been changed into a dress and, you know, she's draped on, you know, she's lying on the rug with the fireplace in the back and you know he tries to seduce her and then he bites her and you know i gotta say i'll be perfectly honest from here it's just like all downhill it's just uh it's your standard third act horror movie fight you know like yeah i'm not sure what to say about it like they play hide and seek around the house and uh, you know peter shows up again in costume and i noticed with a ton of stage makeup on that's got to be on purpose like to him to be oh, yeah. peter vincent means he has to put on the makeup for the camera it's it's his armor he's He's bolstering himself. Yes, yeah. this, this is the part I liked. Really, uh, yeah. it's funny because you know he holds the cross up, and 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 Jerry just grabs it and says, "It's got you got to have faith for this to work." Which of course we know later he'll have. Some people are thrown around and beat up. Peter runs next door to rescue Charlie's mom, but who's waiting there? But Evil Ed with a Raggedy Ann wig on. They fight. He stabs Evil Ed in I think what's the longest makeup sequence in the film? Yeah, it took forever. Where he converts from wolf to well, evil ed and it was just gross it was sort of that standard 1980s let's get gory with skin melting but here it's backwards because he's going from a wolf to a man and it ends with naked evil ed with a healed forehead tears dripping down his face and the whole time peter just sort of stares at him and feels bad for him i guess like oh okay like yeah again if evil ed had been the star of this movie i would have been much more interested and it's it's like it's protracted. In the meantime, Charlie has been knocked unconscious and wakes up beside vampire Amy. He starts freaking out. There's some more cat and mouse. Charlie shows up again. Oh, that's right. They shoot uh, they shoot the familiar in the head. And the familiar comes back at him. So they do they skew him right there? Yeah, uh, they, they shoot him a bunch more times. That's right. He, but they, it keeps coming. Yeah, and then they and, stake him in the heart. Ooh. And he yeah. He melts, dries out, a little bit of both. First, there's the there's the green goo that I assume they got from like a Ghostbusters toy playset, mm-hmm. or that old Nickelodeon show. You can't show that on television, or you can't say that on television. Yep. I think it's called green slime. Green slime, and then then it's it's dust, and then his bones start to. What? <laughs> it's so good. And then the skull rolls away. It's perfect. It's it's just, it's exactly right. Oh, yeah. It's all, like I said, it's 80s makeup gore. It was some bad CGI, not CGI, but they did some overlay effects because I'm guessing when they filmed him looking at his hand, it didn't work right. So they yeah. filmed the hands again and superimposed them and you can <laughs> totally see it. You can see the black outlines. Yeah. It's pretty bad. It's, it's I mean, pretty bad, pretty good. Um, it's, yeah, like this. this was the good bit for me. And it's funny because at this point off. I was like, uh, this is where I started printing your objects, for you, like the printing the stuff for you <laughs> uh, on the 3D printer. Like, because I just like, oh, just eh, whatever. So they play cat and mouse around the house or vampire and human, I guess. They chase him into the basement. There's a big fight. A vampire, vampire Amy wakes up from her unsleep on death, whatever. There's like a fight and they fry the vampire. And that was actually a pretty good sequence. Well, we did forget the bat attacking him. Um, oh yeah, they... the bat flying looks so stupid. But when the bat is actually on Peter Vincent, it was actually yeah. a pretty nice 
piece of animatronics. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind it so much. But it, it kind of looked like a miniature uh, gargoyle thing from Ghostbusters again. There, yeah. There is no Dana, only Joel. Yeah, that's right. Though I'm pretty sure it was just a hand puppet. But in any case. Was, oh, yeah, but the, yeah, was, like the the face was similar. Yeah. And the, yeah. Like it was yeah, wet. He's one of the dogs, one of the, the gozer yeah. dogs, whatever. But yeah. yeah exactly. um, so, yeah, so they go into the basement. They chase each other around. They break the windows. He bursts into flame in what I thought was a pretty cool special effects sequence. Yeah, it was great. And then. Amy's okay. One thing I'll say about Amy, when they did her makeup, they did a couple different versions of her vampire makeup. And at one point, I thought it was a different actress. Yeah. And I'm not sure if it was. It might have been her double. I, I wonder if it was. Body change, yeah. Yeah, it just, it was weird. So maybe it was the I same think, actress. I think it was her double or something. Yep, yep, yep. Like her body wasn't the same shape. Yeah, like she suddenly looked like a very different female. It was very, very weird. Like the jawline was different. Like it was clearly, this is a different person. The voice was different, Yeah. which I guess is easy enough to train her to do, but whatever it was. So I don't know, I'll have to look it up, but it's, you know, who knows? Uh, it wouldn't yeah. be the first time that an actress used a body double for nudes or for revealing clothing. Anyway, they win. And then we go back to exactly, actually the same scene from the very first, from the very beginning of the movie, which is, you know, the TV with the bad vampire flick on it, though it's though they show that Peter Vincent has been hired back to do Fright Night again. Yeah. Um, so things have worked out for him and they're making out and they're going to have sex this time. He gives, um, he gives Charlie, a sh- Charlie? Charlie a shout out in his intro. Yeah. And then um, we see across the street to the now for sale Jerry house. So we see two red lights, which he thinks he sees for a second. Then he's not sure. And then they go, he goes back to, uh, you know, uh, making yeah. up with his girlfriend. And then the lights go on again. And it was so obviously like just some stagehand with two lights. Like it was yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. really, really funny. And then we hear all they did was loop a piece of dialogue, which is for when um, Amy threw the hamburger in, um, in Charlie's face at the diner. Oh, I would have rather have seen like if they were going to like if they're going to beat you over the head with Ed lives, then why not have him lean forward out of the window and see him? See, yeah, silhouette of his face or something. You know, it's almost like the actor had gone home and they wanted to add it. So this is how they did it. Yeah. Who knows? And that's it. That's the film. 143 minutes that we probably don't ever get back, but I won't make you watch the sequel. I probably should have. We should have done this as like as a double header, but no. uh, no. That's it. This, <laughs> I, I didn't hate this. No, no. I mean, as much as I sort of eh, this and eh, that, the fact is, it's it's exactly what you expect. It's an eighties B movie. Yeah, like it was. And oh, so horny. That was my only problem with it. It was like way too horny. And the thing is, I don't object to it being horny. I think it's funny because it's so desperately teenager horny. Yeah. Like it, it's not sexy. It's not erotic. No. It's not sensual. It's horny. <laughs> and, yeah. and all the goofiness that that word brings on. And it's like, who are they making this movie for? Because Chris Sarandon. year old boys. Yeah. Well, then why would you? Then why would the vampire be a guy? Uh, why isn't it a babe? You know what I mean? Like it's hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know. And if it's for sixteen-year-old girls, are a lot of sixteen-year-old girls going for Chris Sarandon? Like it just seemed like they threw this movie together and they weren't quite sure where they were going with it. And they never quite figured it out, except the movie made two and a half times its budget. So they just said, okay, sure. Cool. Whatever. Let's make a yeah, sequel. Like, it's, <laughs> it's a weird I, one. I don't know. They're like, let's make a vampire movie. Put yeah. in all the tropes and all the cheese and uh, yeah. go. 
And, and it's funny because when you go to the second movie, Peter's in therapy and he's been convinced that he hallucinated the whole thing. And then, you know, this woman, this was weird woman shows up in his apartment building because he's, he's off of college. And it turns out it's Jerry's sister. And really? she's, she's actually come to avenge. She's come for Charlie. Oh. It's like, it's, it's a, it was an honest to God attempt at a second movie, but it's clear they didn't have the building blocks for a second movie. Mm. And I think, what's his name, who played uh, Peter Vincent, I, I, uh, Malcolm McDowell, I think he just sort of says, sure, paycheck, great. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know. So do you think you're going to watch this again? You're going to run out and buy this DVD or 4K Blu-ray? And... No, but if it's <laughs> on TV, I'll watch it. Something tells me it's not going to be on TV anytime soon. Well, no. That'd be the gore and the boobs and everything else. But uh, we might catch you on the Late Late Show. That's how yeah, I originally I got, saw. I, I, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. So I think we'll leave it there. So you sort of give it a, I don't know, thumbs up, thumbs down, a meh. What well, do you think? I just, it's a solid meh plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. It's a, it's a meh. You know, it is what it is. It's, it's a B movie. You know, if you're into 80s movies, watch it. Yeah. It's you know? exactly what you expect. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's that's sort of it. So, cool. So I guess we'll see you guys next time. Say goodbye. Goodbye.